0: You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It came with a couple of scares, a couple of times that we held our breath, but Chicago Bears escaped Las Vegas with a tough road victory and confidence high once again at Hallis Hall. To keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thank you for making Lockdown Bears your first listen each and every day. We're here for you five days a week. And today we're recapping the win over the Raiders. We start with the revenge of Khalil Mack and another strong performance by this Bears defense. We'll go through who particularly stood out watching it live and a couple of moments where maybe we were uh, catching our breath a little bit here and there. We'll turn our attention to Justin Fields. Another moment when we were holding our breath when he leaves with an injury and also gets hit hard even before then a couple of different times. The rookie quarterback definitely in harm's way, but the offense is finding some success and putting him in some positions to be successful. Some really impressive throws, even though they weren't at the explosive plays. A couple of really nice NFL-caliber throws there from Justin Fields in this game. And we'll wrap up with the running game. No David Montgomery, no problem. I certainly missed having Montgomery out there, but Herbert and Damian Williams did an excellent job. The offensive line playing at a high level too. We will break that down all on today's Locked on Bears. But I want to start with this Bears defense, and particularly Khalil Mack, because you could tell that he wanted this one Bad And it was something we talked about in, on Friday, putting together a game plan for how the Bears can beat the Raiders. The thing we talked about even on Thursday, too, with, with your boy Q from Lockdown Raiders. It was going to come down to which team's offensive line could hold up better against a strong group of opposing pass rushers. And it was clear that Khalil Mack was going to be the one to establish himself. Well, he's already been established, but to reestablish himself. Establish himself in the game. How about that? Be the one to make his presence most felt in this contest. I know technically the sack he made on the two-point conversion doesn't count towards his season total. It'll count in our hearts. It just doesn't count in the official NFL scorebook because the stats that happen on a two-point conversion don't actually count toward your actual stats. But it's a reminder of, of his impact on the game even beyond just what the scorebook will tell you. He was getting after the quarterback and particularly and he was lining up on the weaker side of the Raiders' offensive line. They had taken their rookie right tackle, Alex Leatherwood, and moved him into right guard. They brought Brandon Parker off of the bench to start at right tackle, and so clearly that was where the weakness was going to be on this Raiders' offensive line. And clearly they didn't do enough to, to help against Khalil Mack. They did leave tight ends in the chip. There were running backs going over there, but you know they'd stunned Khalil Mack inside. I think that's how he came through on the—, the the sack on Derek Carr that wasn't on the two-point conversion—he he looped on the inside, and you can't you can't have the tight ends double-team him everywhere if he's moving around. And there's a credit to Sean Desai for getting him involved in different spots, so they couldn't purely just double-team and focus on him. It was definitely a quieter performance from Robert Quinn compared to what we had seen from him in recent weeks, where he had kind of you know really re-emerged also and been an energetic piece of this off this defense. But I do think in this game, I'm willing to overlook it or allow it in the sense that he was going up against the best Raiders offensive lineman. Their left tackle, Colton Miller, is solid. He is really the anchor for them up front, the one they kind of lean on, on that backside of Derek Carr. And so, understandably, good matchup. The the offensive lineman got a little bit of the better one. And and Quinn's not going to dominate every single week in every single game. It's just not realistic to expect. So, not really concerned there. I I was happy to see uh, Travis Gibson, excuse me, the other Gibson filling in at the outside linebacker spot, him getting another sack in this game. He's really flashing a lot to start this season, and it feels like he's coming along a little bit more, and it feels to me like he's in that that Roy Robertson-Harris type feeling. So Harris, of course, plays defensive line, and Gibson's the edge rusher, but it just feels like that guy where he's not, he's not like the top of your rotation by any means, but you just feel like once a game he's going to flash somewhere with just great strength and technique to be able to, you know, push through an offensive lineman and shed him to get inside of the quarterback and bring him down again. You know, I just it just seems like we're seeing more and more of that from him. Not that he's ready to be the starter by any means, turning around, but this is sort of that first step for him. You know, sort of stack these weeks together moving forward, and really like what we're what we're seeing there. And I really like how much juice we saw defensively without Akeem Hicks, right? He's, he was out, and we weren't sure, okay, is the energy level still going to be there? But Max certainly brought it playing against his former team, and it just felt like the Bears were, were really feeling it in this game, I think in part because the offense was doing well enough early enough to give them an early lead to play with. From a pass rush standpoint, I did think Derek Carr was holding onto the ball too long and we knew that would be the case. That is something he's done this season. It's part of why their offensive line has looked bad. But you know, I was surprised to see Gruden and the Raiders not go to a quicker passing offense. It just never really seemed to be an adjustment that they wanted to make. They tried running the ball more, and the Bears absolutely shut that down, which is, which is great. And that's sort of what we talked about from a game plan standpoint. Like, you know, you don't, You're not really worried about too much of, of that ground game because you guys should be able to handle that. You just want to make sure you limit the shots for Derek Carr down the middle of the field. And he got a couple of them in there, and we knew they'd be able to move the ball a little bit here and there. But again, I think holding on to the ball a little bit too long, pass rush able to get home, really sort of made things easier on this Bears defense. I also felt like the Raiders' offense really beat itself for a while there in the first half. I mean, penalties, holding their drives back, drop passes. There was that wide-open drop by Edwards, who it was some kind of busted coverage. It looked like Jalen Johnson didn't follow him when he was supposed to, and he, just right through the hands in the breadbasket could have been a potential touchdown there and a couple other drop passes downfield and and penalties that brought plays back that felt like the score could have been very different early on there had the Raiders not beat themselves, but then you get into this second half, and the Bears defense held, held them to three and outs, three and outs, three and outs, and shuts down the running game, and, and they really sort of settled themselves in and got into this groove, again, with that lead from their offense and being able to play with a little bit more of that confidence, and then you know DeAndre Houston Carson gets the turnover, and that's huge for the defense as well. So it all kind of came together. I just felt like early on here there were some signs of vulnerability that the Raiders were able to sort of beat themselves while the Bears took their time a little bit, getting up to speed with what they wanted to do in that game. But a lot of credit to the offense in that formula, and Matt Nagy, even after the game, said the same thing. like Complimentary football, they won on offense, they won on defense, and they won on special teams as well. And they hit a couple of field goals, but a couple of questionable punt and kickoff returns there from Jakeem Grant still getting in it. But I do want to get into this offense, and particularly what we saw from Justin Fields, keeping tabs on this rookie's progress, next on Locked On Bears. Does this sound familiar to you? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that helps you stream all your favorite shows, and then you've also got sports highlights that you're watching on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. It's really a great way to get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to ever buy another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and finally get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirectTV.com. That's DirectTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. felt like this Bears offense varied by package a little bit in this game. It seemed like they came out a little bit flat in terms of, I don't know, a little bit bland in their initial opening sequence, the scripted plays, although they were struggling a little bit to move the ball, so maybe they were able to open things up a little bit. Once they started mixing things up a little bit more, it felt like a couple of drives into the game that's when we saw more formational variation, different personnel getting in there. We saw the Alex Barrs package, well, a lot of the Alex Bars packages. But they, you know, I think on that on that first or that second drive of the game, they they started out with three tight ends, including the offensive lineman, like a you know like a single back heavy personnel, and then they went to a, a shotgun with two tight ends, and then they went shotgun with four wide receivers, like three wide receivers, but spread out in a four wide look, and then you know they come out again under center with a, a trio of three wide receivers, and they go empty and then they go back to the two running backs in the I formation with Ryan Nall at fullback, and then they come back to the two tight ends with the offensive line and the three tight ends, right? They seem to really sort of start shaking things up and giving the Raiders a lot of different looks. And it wasn't necessarily any looks that they'd never shown before. We saw a little bit of the Alex Barr's stuff last week sprinkled in there but it certainly became a, a bigger emphasis on their offense this week with without some of their other tight ends we'll get to that a little bit later when we talk about with this running game but with Justin Fields in particular right there, there are different varieties and packages where, where I think opening things up a little bit for him but you know he, he gets, gets to the QB draw there on third and short I don't hate the play call at all it's something that the Bears haven't run that much it's a right down a distance to try something like that and we've seen this Raiders defense be vulnerable against quarterbacks with you know, mobility. Lamar Jackson ran all over them, and even Jacoby Brissett had some pretty big rushing yards against them a couple of weeks ago with the Dolphins. And so, sure, QB draw. And, and normally, you're not even that worried about Justin Fields being tackled, but he just takes that hit to the the sort of the side and the rib area, and he's clearly kind of hurt coming off the field. And you're like, oh no! Like the, you, you know you you catch your breath a little bit, and you're you're wondering, oh god, you know what what's going to happen here? And of course, he he stays in the game at that point, and it was so surprising to see Nagy then, not that long after. I mean, it was later in the game, not right away. But go, I think it was a a third, another third and short. and He goes to like the QB power lead, where it's you know Justin Fields takes the snap and he's just the runner. There's no option. There's no dressing. It's just stretch to the outside, get almost like a toss play without the toss, right? Almost like a pin and pull kind of get out there with the quarterback as the ball carrier and the running back as a lead blocker. Not crazy about putting your quarterback out there to potentially get hit again. I'm sure, you know, he came to the sidelines and said, I'm good, just knocked the wind out of me or whatever, but like after after one and then especially after then he hyperextends the knee and actually misses, what is it, three or four plays there for Andy Dalton to come in and pick up the first down and good on Dalton for getting a, another shot out there and being prepared and all that stuff. And, you know, he, he knows that that's a possibility and that's why he hasn't thrown a fit and demanded a trade or anything like that. I mean, it's always there, especially with a quarterback that moves like that. But I just... I you know I I wanted to put Justin Fields in bubble wrap after the rib hit and then especially after the the hyperextended leg where you know after Jermaine Effetti had the hyperextended leg early in the game and didn't come back and was ruled out for the rest of the game because that can be I mean if was like hit and hyperextended which is much more likely to lead to some sort of I'm not a doctor a tearing or straining or whatever it might be, whereas Fields looked a little bit more non-contact, which tends to, I think, limit the amount of force that can go the wrong way in the knee. So that's, that's an encouraging difference there. And of course, Fields stayed at the game, et cetera, et cetera. But like, ah, you worry about him being exposed. Yeah, he, He's tough as nails, right? He's not going to leave the game unless he absolutely has to. We saw that at Ohio State. We've seen it in his Bears career already. The kid, you just want to root for him and you want to play for him because of how he refuses to let, you know, those injuries really affect him. But, doesn't mean you don't want to take care of him, right? Doesn't mean doesn't mean you want to expose him to those hits, right? You want to keep him safe and protected and healthy. And I know the mobility can can certainly put him at risk for those things, but you can slide, right? And I, I guess on the draw, he was trying to get the first the first down, and on the hyperextended knee, he was just scrambling out of the pocket and trying to avoid the sack. He wasn't even past the line of scrimmage yet. So I'm not I'm not mad at anybody in particular for either of those things happening. I just um, you know you get you get that nervous feeling, like okay, let's. Let's take things easy. Let's get rid of the ball quickly. Let's not worry too much about extending too much. You've got to lead. It did feel like the Bears took the foot off the pedal a little bit here in the third quarter there. But all in all, Justin Fields' health and long-term well-being is definitely the the more important uh, aspect of the game for the Bears. Didn't see him necessarily light it up passing the same way we saw against the Lions, but they didn't need to with how well they ran the ball, and, and we'll get into the running game here in just a little bit. But there were a couple of throws that I thought were really impressive. The, particularly, it was the third and long towards the end of the game. I think it was like third and 12, where he fires it over the middle to Darnell Mooney, like right in between two defenders. And it was nice that the, the broadcast circled how all the defensive players were standing at the line of scrimmage saying, you're not going to get this first down, you have to throw it short. And Fields knifed it in there. It's perfect timing, high... Accuracy, precise, but high velocity in order to hit that window before it closed and low for, for Mooney there to make sure no one else would have a shot at that ball. Those are the type of like difficult NFL throws that are like you don't expect a rookie quarterback to be able to make. Even, even the likes of Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, it's just not to, to be able to make that read and then the timing and the velocity and the placement. I mean, it's a combination of all of them against that coverage in those situations because it, it, it starts to feel like you have one of these quarterbacks. There aren't very many of them in the NFL. One of the quarterbacks where you get into third and long and you don't already immediately assume, wow, this is probably not going to work well for us, right? Not that Fields is in, Fields is not Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers yet. You know I mean? We're not, we're not putting him there yet by any means, but when you see him throw to convert third and 10, third and 12, third and 14, that's, that's, not a lot of teams can say that and it it opens up so much more for your offense and changes so much of how you feel about your offense when you feel like your quarterback is capable of doing those things and you also have to think that your offensive line is capable of giving him time to do that and that your receivers are capable of getting open and making those plays in order to do that but boy it's, it's, it's special. It's flashes of special that we get to see from Justin Fields on those plays. And, you know, give credit for, for Bill Lazor, the play caller, and Matt Nagy to some extent for leaving in running backs and tight ends to pass and protect a little bit more, giving him some time, because like we talked about at the top and what this game plan was going to be on last week's podcast, which offensive line is going to hold up better against the premier pass rushers against them. And Ngakwe and, and Nassip and, and Max Crosby made some plays and had some pressure, but It was nowhere near as close as what Khalil Mack was able to do for the Bears defense. And just that defense as a whole, making Derek Carr uncomfortable. I think a lot of the credit also then goes to the Bears running game, making things so much easier on Justin Fields in this offense. And honestly, I think making it easier on this Bears defense. We'll talk a little bit more about this team's new offensive identity next on Locked On Bears. Today's episode of Locked On Bears, brought to you by the world's best tasting protein bars built bars. And I can attest, they are delicious. I eat at least one every single day. And I I try and limit myself to one. Otherwise, I'll just go through them too fast. and have to keep ordering more boxes and I'll go broke (laughs) before too long because it would replace my whole diet. They they literally taste like candy bars, but they have all the nutrients of a protein bar. So every flavor is covered in 100% real chocolate. They're all soft. They're easy to chew, but they're low sugar, Low calories, high fiber, and high protein. And i tell telling you what, I, I've tried a lot of protein bars around the market. I like, I'm, I'm a guy who goes to the gym and wants some protein every day. Nothing has this much protein, that low sugar, and still tastes delicious. Literally tastes like a candy bar to me. It, you, I, it's really hard to tell the difference. you got to try it for yourself. Head on over to BuiltBar.com and enter our promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. It feels like the Bears are settling in now to what this offense should be and needs to be for a rookie quarterback, and honestly probably should have been for Andy Dalton as well, just given some of his limitations as a passer, even though he's smart and takes care of the football, et cetera, et cetera, there are limitations there. You want to be a run-first team, and... I totally understand in the modern NFL that run first is not analytically sexy. And the numbers will tell you that generally speaking, you know, being overly reliant on the running game is not the most efficient form of offense. And I I don't think it is the most efficient. I agree with the numbers that what the Bears are doing is not the most efficient form of offense, but they don't need to be the most efficient offense. They've got competing goals here, right? Of course, they want to score as many points as they can and outscore the opponent and win football games. Yes, that is goal number one, first and foremost, and always. But I think the the formula gets shifted a little bit here when it's a rookie quarterback like Justin Fields. And so, you know, a lot of times we think of like analytics and and passing and spreading the ball out and, and being more efficient that way. It assumes a certain proficiency at the quarterback position. And it, it assumes a certain NFL understanding of like you got to have – you got to have somebody who can do it all, or not do it all. It doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes, but you have to be someone who's very established. And Fields is not that yet. He is fully capable of being that, and when he when he is later into his career, even you know, later this season or next season, you're not going to want to be as reliant on running the ball. You're going to want to pass more, and you're going to be a more explosive offense if you pass more. But right now, for this quarterback and this team, being run first is the most effective strategy for what they want to do in terms of winning and supporting their rookie quarterback. And even without David Montgomery— Damian Williams and Khalil Herbert really had a really strong showing. Herbert actually was the leading rusher and leading ball carrier. 18 carries for 75 yards. That's 4.2 yards per carry. And Damian Williams, 16 carries for 64 yards. And by the end of that game, we were starting to wonder, like, is Herbert the the new starter? Like, not over Montgomery, but did Herbert move past Damian Williams? Because even Williams said after the game, like, he went to Herbert at halftime and said, "The second half is yours, man. Like you're, they're gonna get the rock in the second half and go get it. Like go, you know, my guy, go go do it. Like this is your time, shine." And certainly, both running backs ran well and ran very hard. And that was another thing Williams said after the game too. He's like, "They watch how hard David Montgomery runs, and they like, no, we gotta do that too. Like we can't we can't let let up at all. We can't come in and be any less hard at running than David Montgomery." But it just felt like Khalil Herbert has just that little more juice, right? I mean, he just. It's that step of acceleration a little bit faster where he gets a head of steam going downhill on those zone runs where he makes his cut and then goes and just feels like he gets into the hole and through the gap almost a, a step faster than Damian Williams. And, and just, you know, that extra half second to point two five seconds of speed bonus that he gets can be enough to equal two or three more yards. If the linebackers are a step later or the defensive linemen are a step later. And it's, it, I don't know. There's just something about the rookie that, feels a little bit more electric. Like, Williams still makes guys miss. He he runs hard. He's maybe even a little bit more physical in that regard. And there's certainly value to both of them. And it's not that Herbert is head and shoulders better than Damian Williams in every way, shape, or form. But Herbert blocked really well in pass protection, too. That was another thing. I mean, Williams was fine also. But for a rookie six-round pick, that's often where most rookies struggle to stay on the field on these passing situations is because they're not very good at picking up pass blocking. Because in college, they were always giving you the ball. They needed you as a receiver, they needed you as a runner, but so they weren't using you as a pass blocker as much. Herbert, not the case. He was doing a solid, solid job. Small sample size, but very solid in helping create more time for Justin Fields. And I think that's only going to create a bigger role for him moving forward. So I think fantasy owners of Damian Williams should probably maybe slow down, don't get too excited just yet, because I think we're going to see at least a 50-50 split, if not the snaps shifting more toward Herbert, as long as he remains the hot hand. And he was definitely the hot hand against the Raiders. But give the Bears offensive line some... Credit here. And I, and I I intentionally paused a little bit, as I said, some credit. It slowed down for some, because especially early on in this game, they were not creating much for these backs. It was very hit and miss. And by, by the second half, they kind of got into their rhythm a little bit as, as the offense was a little bit more established. But it felt like for, there were too many runs early in this game where Herbert or Williams was getting hit behind or at the line of scrimmage and you know they'd fall forward for a yard or maybe zero but it just there wasn't room for them to get through and then once things opened up a little bit more then they were getting through to the second level pretty cleanly and it felt like they were picking up five or six yards a chunk it always just felt like it was either really easy for the running backs or impossible for the running backs there wasn't like a lot of in between right sometimes there's those, those Montgomery runs where it's like he's waiting behind the offensive line and he's patient and then he finds a gap and it's like okay that was partially Montgomery making some stuff for himself, but it wasn't terrible blocking, but it wasn't a wide open lane either, right? It was kind of in between a 50-50 dance. I felt like in this one, there was there were those plays where penetration was there in the backfield right away and Herbert made two guys miss and got zero yards out of it. Or he's just running downhill and he runs right through all the way to the linebackers untouched and it's not till six yards that somebody starts to bring him down. So, I think that still marks overall progress from this offensive line. It's clearly a line that's better run blocking than pass protecting, which is why you need to do more of it and and keep this as part of your identity. Absolutely. Because if you look at the box score, 37 runs to 21 pass attempts for the Bears, in large part because they got an early lead. But I think it's just also where this offense needs to be, especially when you get these tight ends involved a little bit more. If they're not going to be involved in the passing game, Put Alex Bars in. I mean, shoot, he was, he was like your number three tight end, almost your number two tight end in this game with how much he was playing. And he's a fine blocker. He doesn't give you anything as a receiver, of course. So, like, defenses don't have to account for him in coverage. But against a team like the Raiders that was already a bad run defense, I think it works, right? You can afford to be slightly predictable in that regard and say, yeah, he's probably going to run block or pass block. Stop us then, right? I the think that's the Bears' philosophy. You can put Bars in there and say we're going to be a little bit predictable, Stop us then, you know, and then if they start stopping you, then you need to be less predictable, and then maybe you take bars out, and that's probably a consequence of Jesse James and J.P. Holtz both being hurt. So, you know, you had to have Horstead, who got his touchdown, which is super cool to see. That'll be a great trivia line for the future of who was Justin Fields' first touchdown pass thrown to, you know, five, ten years from now. It's like, uh, I don't know, Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney? No, Jesper Horstead, the, what, fifth-string tight end on the depth chart glad glad he was able to get that one and a nice throw from fields to just put it up there and trust his guy get we're a little off track there but important moment that i don't want to overlook there by any means but i think this offensive line even with with the right tackle injured jermaine Fetty leaves and wilkinson comes in i think both peters and wilkinson more comfortable run blocking at this stage of their careers especially fresh off the bench it just gets the offensive lineman riled up a little bit brings gets the juices flowing and, and certainly it's in the head of the defensive players when they're getting smacked in the mouth a little bit. And then when the pass rushers, it's their turn to pass rush, right? They just got beaten up a little bit more and the offensive line can feel a little bit more confident. There's, there's a mental aspect to the physicality of running the ball. And I thought it was a nice job mixing things up, running from different formations, but sticking to the running game and making that sure to be a, a focal point in the offense. It felt a little stale in the third quarter when they kept going three and out, three and out, three and out. And it was it wasn't exactly run, run, pass every time. But it it, it felt it like it. I mean, it for the first one, it was run, 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 and they couldn't get it on third and one, and then it was pass, run, pass, and then, then the drive started going a little bit longer from there. But I don't think that was about so much the offensive play calling as it was. The Raiders' defense is not terrible, right? They were not as terrible as it felt like during parts of those games, and they're going to make it difficult sometimes. So all in all, I think it was – Progress on the offensive line, progress from Justin Fields, progress with these running backs and this running game and the offensive identity as a whole, and then continued success from the Bears' pass rush, benefited a little bit by Derek Carr missing some throws, some drop passes, and some penalties on the Raiders as well. And that's how you get a nice win, I think, for these Bears in Las Vegas to build some confidence before they have to face the Green Bay Packers this week. Big division rivalry game, although the Packers almost lost to the Bengals. The Bears beat the Bengals, so transitive property, You know, the Packers are not as formidable and tough right now, but we'll get the full scoop on them later this week from Peter Bukowski of Lockdown Packers for our Crossover Thursday podcast. So make sure you tune in for that. Tune in all week long. We're here for you five days a week. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen to the podcast or watch on YouTube. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Appreciate everyone who's tuning in five days a week and making us your first listen each and every day it makes it much more enjoyable for me to do this podcast it's fun to talk about a, a bear's win like this we'll break it down in depth as the week goes on go through some of that all 22 film and hopefully along the way make it a little bit easier for you to bear down